We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What is going on, Colts Nation? Welcome back to another Bring the Juice Colts podcast live stream. Guys, it is Monday, just after the day that the Colts pulled off a great victory over the Jacksonville Jaguars. Today, we're going to discuss a little bit more about what we were talking about yesterday about this offense and maybe talk a little bit about the defense here and there. It just depends on a few things, but here, guys, Derek Larger, Cody Felger with you as always. And guys, be sure to like the stream as you're coming in. Thank you for joining. Thank you guys for hanging out with us. And thank you for all the support. Had another like 70 or 80 new subscribers yesterday on the channel. Greatly appreciate all the support on the videos as of recently, guys. Thank you for hanging in there with us, despite the fact that the Colts continue to give all of us heart attacks every (laughs) Sunday. Uh, Cody last, last Sunday was no exception. (laughs) No, got to make it dramatic. Uh, as always, man, how many games has it come down to the last play or two, you know, uh, every single time, man, every time I I told you, tell you what, I thought we were over that with the Carson Wentz experiment last year. Also shout out to Carson Wentz for potentially screwing us out of a second round pick. You know, the curse never ends. It seems like here's the thing. So there's opportunity. I don't know if, um, I don't know if um, he could miss, I think, five games in total. Yeah, they said that so far he has seen 422 snaps. He needs about 750 to be able to hit the 70% threshold. Uh, the The best case scenario for the Colts in regards to that situation mm-hmm. is if Carson Wentz only misses four games and then plays the rest of the year. Yep. If they played through the rest of the year and they play with him throughout all of it and he doesn't get injured anymore, then he will still hit that 70% threshold. Now, if he misses five games or six games, we might start seeing some issues. We might potentially see something bad happen. So we're all hoping 
that Carson comes back very quickly and that he's ready to play. Obviously, though, he's going to miss the game against the Indianapolis Colts in two weeks. Uh, everyone was talking about that reunion, about how Colts Nation would respond to Carson Wentz coming back. Well, guess what? It's going to be Taylor Heineke now going to be the quarterback for the Washington Commanders. So it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, here's to hoping, you know, Carson, at least when he was with us for the year, he was a fast healer. So here's to hoping it's more the four week as opposed to the six week. But of course, knowing our luck as Colts fans, it'll probably be more six to seven weeks. Yeah, <laughs> Hopefully not. Knock it, right? on wood, we're good. But yeah, that's the hope there um, because obviously, you know, Washington, not a very good football team this year so far. And so a early second round pick goes a lot, a long, long way, excuse me, uh, for trying to trade up for a quarterback, which I think we're both on board with, you know, even though Matt Ryan looks really good, he's 37 going on 38. So, you know, you need to get your future at quarterback and having an early second round pick as well goes a long way in that. So especially if you think we might be picking, depending how the rest of the season goes, could be picking in the the mid twenties, you know, potentially. Um, so you're going to need all that ammunition you have there. So yeah, we'll just see there, but, yeah, I think we can transition now, Derek, to kind of talking about this Colts offense that was – I'm trying to think of words that describe this Colts offense it was, besides the words we've already used. I mean, I yeah. think I think it, it almost was like the Colts were in a coma on offense for a number of weeks. For pretty much, you know, beyond week one against Houston, this offense just looked lost. There was just yeah. – and, and the thing was, it was the same issues week in and week out for multiple weeks. And obviously the Colts made that – you know, big uh, change last minute on the offensive line on Thursday night football didn't pan out well. And they had kind of like an extended, almost like a, ex- almost an extended buy, you know, where they had seven, you know, plus days. Um, they had, I think it was like what, 10 days instead of seven days. Uh, so they had time to figure some things out and they did, you know, they made some changes on that offensive line. They, you know, Matt Pryor's played about every position on that offensive line at this point. Yeah. Uh, you know, he went from left tackle to right tackle to right guard, kind of has struggled in all three areas, but uh, the struggle was less noticeable on the inside. I'll say that. Uh, but then, yes. you know, the Dennis the Dennis Kelly move at left tackle, which I was initially frustrated with because I'm like, you just back Bernard Ryman. Why are you benching him? Literally not even out of the first quarter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, if and Kelly held up to his credit. He held up really well. No sacks on nearly 60 dropbacks for Matt Ryan. You know, wasn't perfect from the offensive line, but certainly a step up from what they had, you know, pretty much every other game this season. So, well, yeah, the offensive line really got, you know, credit to them. They really came to play against mm-hmm. the Jacksonville Jaguars after allowing, what, five sacks in Jacksonville? Like, yeah, this offensive five line sacks really in Jacksonville played. the first time. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah, really bad. Was. It was yeah. bad. It was, it was very bad. And um, we're going to talk about everything here today, but – I mean, we start. You started with Matt Pryor. Might as well just start with that. Apparently, uh, you know, like apparently PFF's grade for him on Sunday, Cody. You're gonna laugh when you hear this. It was a 21 on a PFF grade on Sunday. Now, the funny thing is, I, I don't know. I don't really think it was that bad. I really don't think it was that bad. But it was still bad. It still was bad. But here's the thing, though, is we've now recognized that Matt Pryor has less chances to notice anything screwing up with him in the middle. 
it is much easier for the damage to not be done in the middle for him, right? Because right. on the edge, it is very easy for a decent edge guy to take advantage of a Matt Pryor in those situations, right? When you're in the middle, you and I talked about it uh, after the game saying that, you know, Matt Pryor is in a situation where, where he's at right guard there's less chances for people to take advantage of him, right? Because of his size, because of his strength, he's able to utilize that better in the middle. And while he didn't look great, it ultimately was, it allowed him to give up less big, uh, have more mistakes, but it didn't ultimately cost Matt Ryan in the long term of things as much. So I think that if you are going to go the route of Matt Pryor still being on this offensive line, which I still think a lot of people say they won't, but if you are going to do that, it is best to keep him in at right guard where the mistakes become minimal. And it ultimately doesn't hurt Matt Ryan as frequently as it would be on the tackle side. No, I mean, at least he's getting a handle. These guys, he was not touching the defensive end on Thursday night football. He was not touching Baron Browning. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. I think Matt Pryor, uh, you know, clearly, you know, more fit for guard with just his pure size and lack of athleticism. I mean, you look at like some of these offensive linemen the Colts have really good raw athletic scores across the board. And then you have Matt Pryor, <laughs> you know, who's like a six out of ten. Um, so it's nowhere close to what all the rest of these offensive line is in terms of athletic ability. And it's really shown this year, uh, you know, really didn't notice it as much last year when prior played right tackle filled in for Braden Smith, but it's really been on display just how much he lacks in athletic ability compared to a lot of guys on the offensive line and just NFL athletes in general, he's really struggled. So, you know, it's really noticeable, but yeah, you're absolutely right. I think if you're going to play him anywhere, which I really don't think you should, I think I think honestly, Will Fry should be at right guard right now. Mm -hmm. um, but if you do play him, I guess right guard is the one where the least amount of damage can be done. Which I hate to to look at a player like that, but like that's what it's been this year. Yeah, you know. So <laughs> yeah, that's that's pretty much what it's been, right? Minimizing the damage, right? What's the one thing that this yeah. Colts offensive line can do that's going to minimize the damage? And that's what happened yesterday. And while we're sticking with the offensive line, we might as well continue to talk about it. Um, Ryan Kelly played noticeably better yesterday. Uh, it, it seemed like the communication was more on point. I think him and Nelson have finally woken up and saying that, it, okay, enough is enough with this. This is ridiculous. It's time to start getting our heads screwed on right. And it seems like that was really good for them. Nelson and Kelly looked really good yesterday. Uh, even though I would say, uh, I would say that uh, Braden Smith definitely didn't play great. Uh, definitely was a lot more consistent. Uh, the edge rush was not as bad on the right side, even though it was at times, Matt Ryan, I think, stepped up into the pocket a lot better, and it allowed for him to make more of those throws that he wasn't used to before. Hunter Peterson with the $2 Super Chat. Hi, guys. That was a win we really needed. Hunter, totally agree with you. Thank you for the $2 Super Chat. Um, And also, guys, be sure to like the stream. We got over 100 of you in here right now. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Uh, I'll say this. Uh, the left tackle position. Yeah, you and I said it beforehand. We were saying, why is Bernard Ryman not out there? And 
we're like, wait a minute. What? Yeah. Why isn't he? Is he injured or something? Well, he wasn't injured. Uh, they just said that afterwards that Kelly played so well, the first couple drives, they just never took him out. And, you know, while Dennis Kelly didn't look amazing, it was definitely a huge step in the right direction. I think there was really only about two or three times that I can remember Cody that Dennis Kelly really got beat. Uh, there was a holding call on him early in the game. There was one time when uh, the defensive end did beat him off the edge, but Ryan got rid of the ball before he was able to get sacked. But outside of that, again, the same notion of Braden Smith, which was, you know, and I think that was the difference, right? Is Dennis Kelly was more efficient throughout the whole game, right? Because we've seen Bernard Ryman do absolutely terrible in the first half of games, Cody. And then second half, okay, he looked good. But that's the thing. Like right now, we can't settle for, uh, we can't settle for you're terrible the first half and decent the second half. We can't settle for that. We need to start seeing more consistent play. And I think that's why Dennis Kelly ended up beating out Ryman for the majority of this stuff is because Kelly was more efficient but the whole game, not just part of it. Well, you look at who he was going up against the whole game. Josh Allen didn't mm -hmm. get a sack the whole day, you know, and that's huge. And like, initially I was like, why the heck do you do this? But it makes sense. I mean, Ryman is still very raw. You know, the plan was not for him to be starting at this point, you know, like, I don't think that was the plan initially. I mean, the third round pick, he still has a lot he has to grow in. And so if you have a vet like Dennis Kelly, like, even though, you know, you know, it may, you know, I don't know if it'll knock off his confidence at all, but it get, it makes you feel a little bit better. Like, okay, we can actually hold up in pass protection. Um, you know, we like Ryman. We think he is our future there right now, but we also acknowledge that he's raw and, you know, we have a guy in here that can step up and immediately right now make a difference. And it was so much a difference. I mean, you saw it, man. The difference that Dennis Kelly made at left tackle was huge for this offensive line. So, I'm totally fine with that. Um, you know, I'm totally fine with not putting the pressure directly on Ryman right away and kind of letting him, you know, kind of learn as he goes. You know, if you don't have to throw a third-round rookie out there right away, uh, that's great, you know. Um, but, yeah, I I was initially a little bit confused, but when you saw what – because I think the plan was to have Ryman go a couple, couple of drives, then have Kelly sub in, and then have Chris Strauser kind of make a decision after that. Well, you know, Ryman wasn't necessarily bad. You know, he had a few moments where he wasn't great in pass pro, but Kelly was just really good at, at pass pro. And I think that's good. You know, it's not like one guy was just outright terrible and that's why they they, they benched him or anything. You know, it was more of a, they were trying out both guys and Kelly just looked like the vet that he is, you know? Uh, so I have no issue with that. And, uh, and and hopefully I think Kelly can can teach Ryman a thing or two playing in a league for nearly ten years. Um, yeah. So yeah, I'm totally okay with it. You know, whoever's protecting Matt Ryan the best right now, um, I'm fine with that. I'm totally good with that. Yeah, and I will say this. So I don't know if you watched. I don't know if you like really paid attention to what I said at the end of the video that I gave to you today. Um. And I know a lot of people are probably going to, in, even in this comment section, are probably going to absolutely hate the idea of me giving this person credit here. But, Cody, I have to give credit where credit is due. The offensive scheme 
for the Colts made by Frank Reich and this offensive staff for that game was exactly what the Colts should be doing. It's 100% what they should have done. Now, I'm not going to condone throwing the ball 60 times in a game. You can't do that every week, right? Right. We understand that. Um, Mason Hill with the $2 Super Chat. Thank you. The game live stream yesterday was amazing. Hey, I appreciate that, Mason. Thank you for the kind words. Glad you were able to watch it. But yeah, like I said, 60 passes per game, Cody. That's not going to no. be the thing, the norm. It's just, it can't be sustained. Nope. But then again, you knew going into that game, you were trying out a new offensive line group. You were trying out, you were trying out an offense that didn't have Jonathan Taylor or Naheem Hines in it. You knew you couldn't run the ball as efficiently and as effectively as you wanted to without those guys in it, right? right so right. you had to be different. You had to be different. And you had to be – remember when I said like week three of the season when the Colts were giving up all those sacks and I kept saying, why do we consistently keep trying to throw the ball 50 yards down the field every play and just never throw right. anything short? It's like they finally listened to the criticism and said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to make sure Matt Ryan gets the ball out of his hands the quickest he has all season, Mm -hmm. and we're going to see how that offense explodes. And sure enough, it worked. It worked. Getting the ball out of his hands in in less than two and a half seconds was the key to keeping Matt Ryan upright and – Sure enough, Cody, their scheme actually worked for the first time this season. It worked. Yeah, I give I mean, give him credit, man. Like, you know, we try to be as fair as we can. We try to be as honest as we can. We don't try to have any bias. We just kind of call it as we see it. Uh, and I want to call it as I see it. Frank Reich had a really good game plan and they executed really well um, with the game plan. And so, you know, I think it was his best performance as the head coach and as a play caller all year. Yeah. Um, you know, you just decided we're not going to really run the ball. We're just going to kind of have our passing game be an extension of the run game. You saw Deion Jackson had what, like 10 catches in this game? Yeah, so, he touched the ball 22 times in that game. Yeah, so like I think it was good because you're like, you know, we're and, – and for the first time, it felt like the Colts actually played to win offensively. Mm-hmm. Like it felt like they actually did. Like they're like, you know what, we're going to stop – running it on second and long, putting ourselves in these long third down yes. situations. Yes. You know, like they made things easier for themselves for the first time this year. And that's why we were so frustrated with this offense. And that's why we said things like the worst offense in football, because we just did dumb things like that. You know, it's just like that. We just continuously put ourselves behind the eight ball time and time again. And I want to give Frank Reich and, and these, this coaching staff credit. We finally decided no, you know what? Like, you know, our offensive line's been bad this year. We haven't been able to run the ball. We have, you know, weapons. Let's get them the football, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, finally, we actually did that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think you're absolutely right. want to give Frank Reich all the credit because he definitely deserves it. Obviously, the players as well. They executed really well offensively. Um, it's amazing, man, what, you know, a quarter your quarterback can do when he actually has time back there to throw the football. And what he can do mm-hmm. when he, you know, that's what they did with Rivers a lot of times. I mean, Ryan's not any more immobile than Rivers. I think he's probably a little very, bit more mobile. Very little more mobility. Yeah, it's not. But he's fun. more mobile, you know. But, like, what they do, they got the ball to Rivers' hands a lot of times. They got it into the hands of Naheem Hines. They got it to, like, Paris Campbell when he played. Like, they did those things. They got it to Pittman even, you know. like, mm-hmm. And 
you know, when you do those things, realizing where you're weak at, where you've been struggling at, I mean, I would give him credit. Like they realized their offensive line had been struggling and they don't have two of their best running backs out there. They're, you know, have a third string guy who we give him credit. Deion Jackson looked really good. Um, but they decided that, you know what, we're going to play to win this game. And look what happened. Your offense was phenomenal in the passing game, almost 400 yards passing. So I just hope that that continues and we don't go back to getting cute, Derek, because that's mm-hmm. exactly why this team doesn't, you know, have more wins and why this offense has been so bad because of those reasons. So hopefully the offensive line gets better and the play calling continues like it was yesterday, because if they do, I think this offense actually isn't as bad as people think and people say, I just think they continuously put themselves behind the curve and, you know, their offensive line as bad as it's played. It hasn't helped Matt Ryan at all. So Hopefully they've kind of, with this game, it's given them a little bit more confidence and direction and how to call plays and what to do and who to get the ball to. Because, I mean, we're going to probably talk about this. Like, you look at these receivers, the tight ends, the wide receivers, they look really good for this team. And mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll be the first one to say I was wrong about these wide receivers. I get it. It's still early. But Ballard was dead on with these guys. These guys are making plays. I wanted to vet wide receiver. You know, I've gotten called out for it, which, you know, I'll take that, whatever. Um, But my question, Derek, we've talked about this. My question wasn't the talent. It was just the, these guys. Availability. They're inexperienced. Like Alec Pierce is a rookie. Ashton Doolin barely played, you know, beyond last year. Uh, Paris Campbell hasn't been healthy. You know, those are legitimate (laughs) questions that we had. But these guys have proved me wrong. This year, Paris Campbell stayed healthy. This year, and he's gotten involved, you know, and this year, Alec Pierce has, besides the week one, he's looked phenomenal as a number two wide receiver. He's been a great compliment. We all know what what a dog Michael Pittman is. And then your young tight ends who you just decided, you know what? No, we're going to double down on these guys. We're going to believe in Kylan Grants and Jelani Woods. And those guys, they were big contributors on Sunday. So, yeah, all that to say, I just want to give credit to Frank Reich. They've been able to now hopefully figure out what they need to do offensively because they do have nice pieces on this offense. If they can just get these guys involved and Matt Ryan can get protected. And, and I think the big thing, obviously, Derek, now is can you start to open running games? Can you get a push on that offensive line and start opening holes for whoever your running back is? If you would think Taylor would be your running back, you think he'd be back this week. You know, can you start to establish the line of scrimmage? That's the biggest question for me moving forward. But definitely for this offense, a step in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, again, the scheme of everything going forward. I do I do genuinely wonder, uh, while we're still on the topic of scheme, with Jonathan Taylor and Hines coming back potentially next week, uh, do you think that this is going to be a thing where uh, – do you think this is where the Colts have realized that this is the scheme they need to have going forward? Or do you think that when Jonathan Taylor and Hines comes back, that all of a sudden they're going to just divert back to the original scheme that they had thinking they can run the football with them? Oh, you're muted, bro. Sorry. Okay. I was saying, I hope they don't because even with Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines out there, they haven't been able to really run the football outside of week one. So I, I just hope that, you know, I do think like you're right. It can't be sustainable to have Matt Ryan drop back 60 times. You just can't do that. I hope they find a balance. I hope they just don't go completely, oh, because Taylor's back. Now we can, 
you know, get more cute in the offense again. No, like you need to be aggressive. You know, you need to game plan for those things. Uh, so I'm hoping that they just find a good balance offensively, you know, because um, it's weird because, you know, when they brought in Matt Ryan, it was because they wanted the offense to be balanced between run and pass, right? They relied so much on Taylor last year in the running game. And now it's almost like to the other extreme, you know, after yesterday. So I'm hoping they just can find a good balance here. And hopefully this offensive line change can help in that department. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The scheme should not change. I mean, obviously you want to run the ball, you know, still around 20 times a game. You want to try to, you know, throw the ball 40 times around that. I think that the more that this team throws the football, the better until the offensive line starts getting the hot hand at ru- at being able to rush. Uh, but the scheme right now, it needs to be, it needs to stay the same. And, and that results in throwing it more on first down throwing it more on second down because that was what I was saying in the pod yesterday was that the scheme won because you didn't run it on first, get one yard. You didn't run it on second, get one yard. And then all of a sudden you're in a third and eight again, which we saw like for the last few weeks, right? Like that was the Achilles heel for the Indianapolis Colts was getting in these third and longs that forced us to throw the football. And then when you didn't get it, it's three and out, right? Like, you saw them throwing it on first down. You saw them throwing it on second down. And then you saw this team getting into third and shorts. And then you could either run the football or get creative and find a, a quick pass, right? Like that was so much more open for the Colts. And I loved that. Uh, when it comes to the other thing that the Colts did yesterday, Cody, and it's something a lot of people aren't noticing or d- aren't really talking about. The fact that the Colts went no huddle. The mm-hmm. Colts went no huddle for the first time this season. Now, Matt Ryan specifically said, we saw in training camp, their practices have been finishing quickly. You know why? Because Matt Ryan was wanting to get it done. He was wanting to go quick. He wants to get it done. And we even heard from the very beginning of the season that Matt Ryan and Frank Reich were kind of at odds with each other at times because Matt Ryan wanted to go quicker and Frank Reich didn't want to. But then all of a sudden you saw them go no huddle. Now they weren't going into a hurry up offense, but they weren't huddling up, calling plays, taking it all the way down to where the, the clock hit zero. They were just going into a no huddle not allowing Jacksonville to make all of their adjustments on there. And they got the tempo going. I mean, it. and Frank Reich said that is something that they're probably going to do a lot more often going forward into the season. Is that something that you think they need to continue to do offensively? A hundred percent. Yes, it worked. You know, you finally found something that works offensively. Why not? You know, why not be, be a lot less predictable out there, you know? Like, you can do that, you know, as an offense, which is weird because I feel like Frank Reich's typically done a pretty decent job most of the time to be unpredictable. So, yeah, just be unpredictable out there. I don't care. Like, you know, just don't give defenses time to adjust. Make them have to match with you. You know, don't don't be so passive. That was one thing that I think we've always – I've always liked about Reich as a play caller. Had beef with him before on different things, but I've always liked that, that aggressive mindset, you know, and I think that that's something that they need to do just continue to do is just continue to push that aggressive mindset and force these defenses, you know, to match shore level, you know, that sets a tone that speaks volumes, man. I even remember, um, I think it was, 
Oh, there was one game, I think, Frank Reich's like first season as coach where the Colts just, they knew a team couldn't stop them on the ground. And so they just kept running it, kept running it. They know huddle, kept running it. And they just exhausted teams. And I want them to do that again. You know, I want them to just exhaust teams. I want, and I get it. It exhausts your players too. But like, I just want defenses to like hate playing the Colts offense because they're so they're, they're not huddling. You know, they're calling plays. They're being unpredictable. Like, I just want teams to fear this offense again. And I think play calling can help in that department. Obviously, if the players can, you know, play up to that standard, the offensive line can hold, that goes a long way. But just from a play calling standpoint, I definitely think it's a good idea to continue to do that no huddle. Yeah, I totally think that is something that they need to continue to do. I think it just throws defenses off their game. They're not able to make as many corrections. And especially as well when, you know, your defense is trying to figure out ways to fix up your your offensive line. That's the best thing for an offensive line is to go no huddle, not allow the defensive line to run as many stunts. And then it's a lot more of generic stuff thrown your way. And that's where it's good for the offensive line. So it makes it simpler for them to go at a faster pace. So I like that. Love what the scheme was doing yesterday. I mean, we got to talk about some of these player performances, right? So, I mean, let's talk real quick about the day that Matt Ryan had. I mean, a career day for him. Passed Dan Marino yesterday for the seventh most all-time passing yards in NFL history. Had the most completions in a game ever for him uh, yesterday with the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, that's incredible to say the least. Uh, 42 completions yesterday, obviously his best day as an Indianapolis Colt. I mean, what did you see yesterday, Cody, from watching some of the stuff from Matt Ryan? What did you see that looked different for you uh, yesterday than what we've seen all season from Matt Ryan? I think the first thing was he wasn't paranoid, you know, like he wasn't yeah. expecting, you know, he could actually be poised back there. You know, he wasn't anticipating all the time you know, all these hits. I feel like we saw it early on in this game, like Matt Ryan kind of anticipating being hit a little bit more. And yeah. so he kind of made some questionable decisions. You're like, what is he doing? But like when he settled in and he realized, oh, I'm actually having some time to throw. Um, he looked poised. He looked like he knew where he wanted to go with the football. Um, and yeah, I mean, he looked like the quarterback that the Colts thought they were getting, you know, even, you know, getting closer to 40. You know, they really thought that Matt Ryan saw a lot left in the tank. And so I just saw a quarterback that was a lot more confident in where he was going with the football and in his teammates around him to protect him, you know? Um, so I really loved what I saw from Matty Ice and a quarterback that's not afraid to take over a game and win you a game. You know, that was something Matt Ryan already has, what, three fourth quarter wins already with the Colts uh, this year. So, yeah, I think it's two or three. I don't remember, but I know he at least has two. So Matty Ice, man, I tell you what. Uh, if you give him time back there, any sort of time, he's still a pretty solid quarterback back there. Yeah. So, and he's building, you see the trust that he's building with these wide receivers and tight ends. You see Michael mm -hmm. Pittman career day for him as well. 13 yeah. catches over, I go over a hundred. I don't know if it was 113 yards. It was 134. 134. Okay. Catches for 134. 30, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So Michael Pittman career day, Alec Pierce. Well, he didn't, you know, kind of had in the last couple of weeks, statistically his worst performance he's had in the last three Still weeks. his first touchdown. Still he scored his first touchdown. And that takes some guts from a play calling standpoint and from a trust standpoint 
on third and 13 to just say, you know what? I'm going to throw it up to Alec. Like you risk getting sacked there and potentially putting yourself in worse field position. Or even turning the ball over. Or turning the ball over. But, you know, they had that trust there. And Matt Ryan trusted his receiver, Alec Pierce, to make a play, and he did. And I just think you see that. You see Kylan Granson getting involved. You see Jelani Woods. Like, Matt Ryan's a guy that now he's building trust with more than just Michael Pittman Jr. He's building trust with Paris Campbell even more. We saw that in training camp. We're like, where that? Where was that, you know, for the first yeah. four or five weeks of the season? And Everyone then, was telling me that, dude. They're like, yeah. oh, he just doesn't trust Paris Campbell. Like, what do you mean? I saw him throw it to Paris Campbell more than any other wide receiver in training camp. You're telling yeah. me that they didn't have trust with each other? I'm like, it had to have been scheming. Yeah. So, I mean, you just see them getting guys open now, um, you know, and, and just Matt Ryan with his connection with all these different guys, even Deion Jackson out of the backfield. We really haven't seen the Colts this year, which is Really surprising. We really haven't seen them utilize a running back like they used Deion Jackson yesterday. You know, like we thought when Matt Ryan came here, it would be kind of maybe what Philip Rivers had with Naheem Hines, you know, where he was finding Hines. Hines had a career year with Philip Rivers. And and so it really, really, we really haven't seen that a whole lot. And so it's just good to see him getting kind of everybody involved. And, and Derek, when you get everybody involved, and when, you know, Michael Pittman's double covered on a key play and you trust other guys to go make plays, that's what makes your offense from a, oh, a decent offense to a really scary offense mm-hmm. when you have other guys. And, and this this group is very young, very inexperienced, but they are stepping up to the call right now uh, of this Colts offense. They did yesterday, and I feel like they've recently really been doing that. And when Matt Ryan, like, I, I know we talk about this a lot, when Matt Ryan has time, it's clear that he has a connection with these guys. Yeah, and I know you and I kind of mentioned it yesterday, and I said it as well. And a lot of people, uh, other Colts podcasters, are saying the same thing. This team, this offense, is different this year, Cody. And there's a huge reason as to why, or an easy way to explain how that is. Remember last year when we were talking about how the Colts never lose when Jonathan Taylor. Was scoring was rushing for a hundred plus yards in a game, like that's only only ever happened one time where we've lost a game where Jonathan Taylor rushes up for over a hundred yards. Right, the whole point was Jonathan Taylor, right? Like that was it. That was the offense. You slow down Jonathan Taylor, you slow down the offense. But this year, the Colts are two and zero without him, and they won a game without him and put on their best offensive performance. Since I'm going to say probably midway through last season, like that's incredible that you had your best player off the field. And for the first time in almost a year, you had your best offensive output without him. And, and with everything else going on around it, right. With the offensive line, having question marks, the Frank Reich and those play calling question marks. You did this with so many question marks around you, but yet the Colts were still able to do it. It goes to show you this offense is heading in a new direction that they're able to win games without their best, their best athlete and their best player. It's really nice to see, because like you said, Matt Ryan, finally is getting involved with these wide receivers. And I mentioned it the other day, you know, Ballard deserves credit too for sticking to his guts on how good this, uh, this skill position groups could be because they're showing it right now. They're young and they still got a long way to go, 
but they're showing some great output right now. Jelani Woods has five catches this year, Cody, and three of them are touchdowns. I mean, just goes to show you, like, just imagine when we get that kid going, right? Like, 60% of his catches have been touchdowns. Alec Pierce, you tweeted it out earlier today, talking about how he's on pace to have the second most receiving yards by a Colts rookie in in the franchise's history. Like, that's where we're at right now. And it's great to see Matt Ryan getting involved with those guys. And then another guy that really everyone wants to talk about the wide receivers yesterday, and we're going to talk about it here shortly, but the, the unsung warrior that we had on the field yesterday, Cody was, was Deion Jackson. Mm -hmm. He was a warrior yesterday. I mean, through everything that man was hurting at the end of that game, but he did not let it take him out of the game until ultimately he just couldn't do it anymore. He had touched that ball 28 or 22 times and was able to pound the rock in the biggest of moments when the Colts needed him to step up on that last drive to take the lead. Dion Jackson delivered and he said, I was not going to be denied. And for your third running back to have over uh, to have 120 scrimmage yards yesterday and have to grind for every single one of those yards. I mean, Consider me sold. I'm so happy he's running back three. I can't, I'm so happy that he's running back three and he has done more than enough to take over for Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines while they've been gone. Yeah, it makes you feel a lot more confident in your running backs now because you have three legit guys that can run the ball, can catch the ball, can do a little bit of everything, right? And then, oh, by the way, you have Philip Lindsay also, who's yeah. not a bad back as well. So, yeah, I really like this running back that just goes to show. Um, you know, we were honestly a little bit surprised. Like we thought maybe this year, Deion Jackson was going to kind of be, you know, lost in the shuffle with all the guys the Colts brought in, all the undrafted guys they brought in. They brought in Lindsey. You're like, oh man, where's Deion Jackson? Could he be like the fifth or sixth running back? Like legitimately yeah. there were arguments there. Um, but yeah, credit him. He, he's looked really good. And uh, yeah, it's one of those things where you're right. Like you feel a lot better. You feel like you can sleep a lot better at night if Taylor can't go for a week or Hines can't go for a week, you still have Deion Jackson who has proved to be a more than capable running back himself. So no, you know, there's no question why the Colts, you know, paid him a little bit more as an undrafted free agent to come in because we've seen what he's been able to do when given an opportunity. So yeah, I love Deion Jackson, love what he was able to do, love that warrior mentality. And I can imagine that spoke to those guys, you know, on the sideline and in that offense, like, man, Deion Jackson's a warrior. We're going to go win this game, you know, like, yeah, that has to speak volumes to you as well. That run, that run to score that touchdown. That was an angry run. Put bro. his shoulder down and ran through that safety. Oh man, it, it was like the momentum completely shifted there. That yeah. attitude, that ferocity of when he felt like there were times where he couldn't run the ball at all, how frustrating that could have been. He knows, dude, that his snaps are very limited because of the only reason he's out there is because his one and two are done. And he said, I'm going to take advantage of every single opportunity that I get. And sure enough, he did that. He did that. And then some, yeah. So shout out to Dion Jackson. He did a phenomenal job filling in for Hines and Taylor on Sunday. Um, but yeah, talking about Alec Pierce, Derek, you, you mentioned it, you know, on pace now to have the second most receiving yards of any Colts rookie ever. Now, again, this is subject to change. We're only six games in, 
But that's a, that's a tremendous pace considering he didn't even have a catch in week number one. You know, or two, or two. didn't play he did in that game. Oh, right. Yeah, that's yeah, he right. Didn't he didn't play, play week two either. He had a concussion. I forgot about that. Wow. Yeah. That's so crazy. in in four in four games, week three, four, five, and six, and that's and in four games he has twenty. I think he has twenty seven uh, or twenty eight catches. So wow. Yeah, that's crazy. Incredible. So I think he's probably. I think I miscalculated. He might be on pace for more yards than that. Actually, yeah. which is crazy. Yeah. It's so, crazy. I mean, guys, that's like receivers like T.Y. Hilton. That's receivers like Marvin Harrison. That's receivers like Reggie Wayne. He's beating all these guys, you know, with his pace right now. That's how good Alec Pierce has been. And I don't think anybody foresaw Alec Pierce having this kind of breakout at the beginning of the year. Because we even saw with Pittman, his first, his rookie season, it took him some time to get acclimated to this offense, right? He obviously got injured. He missed a couple games. But Pittman wasn't doing what Pierce is doing right now. You know, we were at training camp where yeah. Pittman said, he said, Pierce is light years ahead of where I was as a rookie. Yes. And we're seeing it. We're absolutely seeing it. So, mm-hmm. yeah, the Colts have legitimately three weapons on the wide receiver position that could go off any week. You know, if Matt Ryan has time, any of these guys could go off for 100 yards. I really do believe that. Yes. And then you throw in the factor of Ashton Doolin when he comes back, who's a solid number four. That's that's a really actually pretty solid wide receiver group. All yes, things considered. Is. Yep, it absolutely is. And I mean, shout out to Reggie Wayne, right? I mean, his work with Alec Pierce has definitely been huge for his development. Of course, Alec Pierce still has a long way to go with how he wants to get more separation, right? But I mean, Alec Pierce, I mean, dude, to, to play that first week, have two drops, one that you dropped a touchdown in, Yep. It could have won us the game had you been able to do that. And then get a concussion. Like, most guys would lose so much confidence after that. And then not being playing week two, it's it's done, right? And then the next week after, in playing Kansas City, made three huge catches. And then you go and play Tennessee. You make a couple good ones. Then Denver, you had your coming out party, eight catches in that game. And then this last week, you don't get as many catches, but you made the one catch that mattered the most, the one that put you ahead. That is great. And you're right. Like Pittman wasn't doing what Alec Pierce is doing right now. You're right. Pittman wasn't. Pittman will tell you right now. Pittman said, I wasn't, I wasn't comfortable in Indianapolis for like the first half of the first season that I was there. But Alec Pierce looks comfortable right now, man. It doesn't look like he's affected by anything at all. And it's great. I mean, it's fantastic. And I absolutely love Alec Pierce because my brother is uh, a guy that goes to UC, the school that Alec Pierce came from. So we have some personal joy in the fact that my brother uh, and the fact that Alec Pierce is also an engineer. Uh, my brother is also an engineer. So it's there's a lot of correlation there. But yeah, Did he know I mean, him? is he friends with him? Uh, no, no, he wasn't friends oh, with him. Awesome. I don't know if he. I don't think he ever actually got the chance to uh, actually talk with him. Funny story though. Hey, Mitch. I don't know if he's gonna hear me or not, Mitch. Uh, he's not gonna hear me. Whatever. Uh, I'll tell you the funny story. Uh, Desmond Ritter, the quarterback for the Falcons, he was the quarterback for UC last year. Yeah. Um, hilariously enough, Mitchell was playing a pickup baseball game one time, uh, during that season. 
and Desmond Ritter and some of the other football players were there and they were playing and my brother was pitching. My brother hit Desmond Ritter. (laughs) Really? (laughs) Yeah, he did. He hit him in the leg and I thought it was, that's the funniest thing ever. But uh, (laughs) yeah, I'll tell that story more in depth later, but yeah, uh, it's, it is awesome to see Alec Pierce doing this already it seems criminal that he only has one touchdown so far. I know uh, for some of the catches that he's had to deal with. Yeah. Um, well, when yeah. when people said that uh, that Pierce that was his first like touchdown catch, I was like, no, nah, they're not. That's not true, is it? Yeah, it, I it know. Like it was it was miraculous to me. I'm like, yeah. Wait a minute, you're telling me this guy hasn't already gotten a touchdown yet? It's crazy. But yeah, yeah I mean, it, and also the great thing is too is. Uh, I mentioned before, Michael Pittman said it took him a long time to get comfortable with what he was doing. And it wasn't until Michael Pittman's second year where we start seeing him truly be the receiver that we knew he was. Right. Alec Pierce is already saying, like, I thrive in one-on-ones. That's where I'm happiest. That's, that's what I like doing. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. how you know you got the dog in you when you say, I love winning one-on-ones like that. And, yeah. I mean, he he's got it, man. He's got Absolutely. it. And that's what he's thrived in. You know, that's his game, man. That's what he did at Cincinnati, dude. So it's great to see them utilizing him and all those one-on-one opportunities. Like he's still burning DBs, man, even at the yeah. NFL level. So yeah, Alec Pierce, man, I'm very excited for him. And let's just give credit. We've been dogging Chris Ballard a lot. Let's give him credit for this draft class. These guys have come to play. Let's talk about them. Let's yeah. talk about Jelani. Let's talk about Alec Pierce. Let's talk about Nick Cross, who did have that, you know, fumble recovery at the end of the game. Let's talk about Rodney Thomas. Like, there's a lot of guys that are actually, like, playing significant roles for this team, depending on what Ryman does, like, that are playing big starting reps for this team right now. So, just want to give credit to them, man. They're looking good. Oh, yeah. 100%. Uh, And then, obviously, like you said, with some of the other guys yesterday, I mean, great freaking job by Michael Pittman yesterday. I mean, yeah. holy cow, got utilized so much. I think they said he had like 16 or 17 targets yesterday. Wow. I mean, truly insane That's uh, numbers right there. I mean, I mean, give credit to where it's due, man. I mean, it, Michael Pittman is, and it's weird too, because Pittman's not catching a lot of these balls on the outside, Cody. A lot of it's on the inside. It's in the middle of the field. And I thought that was incredible when you looked at uh, – Matt Ryan and how he spread the ball out yesterday. Oh my gosh. It was everywhere. Like yep. there wasn't one specific spot that just goes to show you how good that offense was playing yesterday because there was not a specific part of the field that Matt Ryan did not hit a receiver yesterday. And that's incredible when you can do that and you're in your bag so much that you're just dumping it everywhere. It doesn't matter where the ball's going. It's going to make it there. Yeah, and you're you talk going back to the trust thing. You trust these guys that they're gonna catch the ball and they're gonna make a play. Like, and that's why I hope when Hines comes back, hopefully this week, they utilize him in that way too. You know, where they just say, go make a play, you know, and he does that. Um, you know, same with Taylor, obviously, as well, but a little bit more of a handoff scenario than a Hines where you probably dump it out to him out of the backfield or in the slot or something like that. Um, but yeah, I want to give a shout out to all the two hundred plus people in here right now. Thank you guys so much. We really appreciate it. Guys, we're trying to get to 14,000 subscribers. Uh, we are, let me see, we're at 13,759 right now. So if you're watching this video, 
and uh, or whatever, wherever you're at. If you're watching this live or if you're watching this like later on, uh, we'd love for you guys to consider uh, subscribing to us. We're trying to get to that point, putting a lot of work here, trying to get this, you know, uh, this podcast and this channel to where it is. Uh, so if you would consider doing that, hitting the like button, all that stuff, we'd greatly appreciate it. Derek, I see you've brought up the past chart for Matt Ryan. Let's take a look at it. There are only five incompletions in this game, Cody, that came from a ball inside 10 yards. Wow. So really? Matt Ryan only had five incompletions all game that resulted in an incompletion inside of 10 yards. Otherwise, he was automatic. And of course, you see the the furthest one he had, which was, you know, about uh, you make 20, it almost 20 yards down the field for, or no, it was actually more than 20. That was the one that uh, it actually broke uh, NGS because NGS's thing wouldn't actually go beyond the 20-yard line thing there because he threw the ball so many times inside of 20 yards, they wouldn't even show the biggest catch that he had, uh, which was there. So, uh you know, again, and it just goes to show you, man, that there's everything there. You see the left side of the field. This is the one to Michael Pittman, I think. Uh, there's all this in the middle. You see this off to the right side as well. I mean, what what's there not to love about this spread, uh, this chart right here? I mean, there's yeah. pa completed passes everywhere on this. That's what you love to see, man. Absolutely. To all these different guys, too. So, yeah, <laughs> that's the way you would play winning football when you pass it. You, you pass everywhere, you know, to all different guys. And your offense is so unpredictable. So I love it, man. I love what Matt Ryan did yesterday. Clearly his best day as a Colt, I think, bar none. Um, so, And the best thing about it yesterday as well was no turnovers. No yes. turnovers. It was, oh my I goodness. think it was the first game all season. He didn't have a turnover. He looked because, like you said, the offensive line, it was so much better yesterday. It wasn't perfect, but it was so much better that Matt Ryan felt more comfortable. His worst play yesterday was when he fell over on Ryan Kelly on that last drive and lost four yards on a second down on uh no, on a, yeah, on a, uh, second down. First, no, no, it was a first, first down, down first because down. He, he tripped it. They ran for one yard and then Alec Pierce caught the touchdown. Yeah. Yep. You're so right. mm -hmm. it's like, uh, incredible to think that, you know, this is what, uh, this is what Matt Ryan can do with a good, with a decent offensive line. Like this is what we can expect. I mean, this is really awesome. Well, they finally got a combination that it's not perfect, but it's functional and it works. And so, I think you roll with this for now, Derek. I really do. Um, if you can just keep Matt Ryan upright, like I said it yesterday, I think on the, I think it was on the recap. I said, if you can get 70 to 80% of what your offensive line did in pass protection, like the whole rest of the season, I really yeah. think you have a legit chance to salvage this season, potentially, you know, make a wild card run. If not the division title, cause you're still right there. You have the same record as Tennessee Titans right now. You just well, have with the, one with the tie. tie, right? You have a tie, right? So, and it's funny too because you know that they said that if uh, if the playoffs started right now, the Colts are the seventh seed. Seventh seed, yep. Yeah, we're the that. seventh seed, which is hilarious <laughs> to say the least. Uh, that's really freaking funny. Now, <laughs> obviously, if the Colts win next week against the Tennessee Titans, then you know there we go, right? I mean, this is. It, that could be, that's the ticket to the front of the division. I mean, that's, that's the big one though. That's yeah. 
that that's what it all comes down to, man. Absolutely. And listen, I, I will just say this. I'm not going to harp on you on it, but I will just admit it was kind of funny to see you, um, to see you, uh, give Paris Campbell praise yesterday. And a lot of people just lose their minds over it because <laughs> like, I mean, I told you, man, I told you this guy was, it, it was going to change this year. I told you barring any major setback on a, on a weird, weird injury, this kid was going to be uh, uh, ready to go. And sure enough, I mean, I got proved right yesterday. Just so happy for him that he's, he's not injured. He's out there actually contributing to the Indianapolis Colts offense. And he did in a huge way yesterday because yes, I did. think three of his five catches, Cody resulted in either first downs or a touchdown yesterday. So big, big catches for him yesterday. Yes, absolutely. I, I talk about man, that freaking stretch to the end zone, like on that first touchdown, I think it was, I mean, yeah. that's just athletic, man. Like, <laughs> that was wow. Athletic, dude. That was something. That body control was insane. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then also Paris Campbell said this after the game, Derek. He said, it's probably the most confidence I've had in my time in the league. So Paris Campbell's confident. You know, the most confident he's ever been, which is great, you know, because Paris Campbell yeah. has shown, you know, even with less confidence, that he's still a good receiver. So, you know, you know, Derek, my, you know, my, my thing has never been the talent with Paris Campbell. Obviously right. he's talented. We've seen it in spurts over the years. I just didn't know if he could trust him for 17 games. Right. I just didn't but know. Obviously, he, he obviously you know? six games in, we've been able to trust him so far. I'm hoping that continues, man, because Paris is such a talented player. And if you use him right and you actually target him, he makes plays, you know, he wasn't nothing spectacular yesterday. He obviously had the touchdown, um, but beyond that, just a couple clutch catches when you needed them. And, you know, for the number three wide receiver, they'll take that, you know? So, mm -hmm. yeah, I think, you know, and you look at all these three wide receivers, all these guys drafted pretty early. Um, so I don't know who's, ta who's talking about. Who's Kent? I don't understand. Oh, Kent Sterling. Oh, okay. Why, why is he in the... Everybody keeps... No, everybody keeps uh, talking. Everybody keeps talking about him. Everyone's like, why? you guys should bring Kent Sterling on. Oh. Gotcha. I thought he was like in the chat or something. I was no, like, oh. no. Everybody just keeps saying we need to bring Ken on at some point. I'm down for it. Yeah, totally. I haven't talked to Kent in a number of years. I wonder. Yeah, if I don't think I've talked well. to him at all. But um, but yeah, I think it's. I I will give you credit on that. You did say that the talent's always been there. It's just always been about the availability, right? And yep. unfortunately, for some Colts fans out there even if he plays all 16 games this year, 17 games, whatever it may be, if he plays 15 plus games this year, people are, uh, people are just still not going to get over it. Right. Some people are still just going to say he's not worth it. Don't trust it. Just move on from him. He's an Ohio state wide receiver. Don't trust it. Right. But I mean, he has every right to be confident right now because yeah. he's healthy because yeah. he feels good. He feels good. His body feels good. And clearly he's making plays out there now and people are noticing it now because, hey, I'm here. I'm healthy. I sh can still show you guys. I can still get open. I can still make plays. I can still burn people. Just give me a shot. And I mean, it's, it's great. I love it. I love seeing Paris Campbell doing what he's doing right now. It is helping out this offense over the last few weeks. Uh, 
really wish that they would have got him more opportunities in that Tennessee game. Yeah. They've gotten him more opportunities in that Tennessee game. This, that game might've been a different direction because he was open a lot in that game. Yeah. I have to see somebody in here asking us to talk about Drew Ogletree, which I know he's showing out, you know, in camp and stuff. And I, I, maybe next year, He's yeah. a factor in this team because he was really looking good. You know, we obviously wish him a speedy recovery. But Derek, that actually reminded me of something you talked about in the stock up, stock down video. Which if you haven't checked that out, everybody go check that out. Um, but you talked about Mo Ali Cox. Where has he been? Like he had a really good game against Tennessee. I mean, I kind of get it because you have two really good young tight ends that yeah. you're liking. But like, could we see a scenario? I don't know what the contract necessarily looks like, but like. Could the Colts potentially want to move on from Mo, you know, like next year or something? I get yeah, it. He's like the know, best pass block or best run blocking tight end. I get that. But for the amount that you're paying him, he's not really contributing at all in the in the passing game. Yes. I, I totally agree with you, dude. I mean, it, it sucks because honestly, it's to no fault of his own, really. Like the problem is, is that the Colts gave him that contract, right? They gave him that. They agreed to pay him between six and eight million dollars a year to play tight end for us. And I said it like he hasn't touched the ball since the fourth quarter of the Tennessee game. Like, what's the point in paying a guy six to eight million dollars a year at tight end if you're just not going to uh if you're just not gonna do anything with it, right? I just yeah, don't understand the point. He has he has two touchdowns against Tennessee and then you just don't see him. I don't know. Then you really just don't see him that. again. And that's not on Mo Ali Cox. That's on the scheming. That's on the game planning. That's how you do things like that. So you're right. Like to the point that you're saying, like, I mean, it would not surprise me if they did just pay him his, uh, his 10, $11 million guaranteed and just, and just cut him. I mean, I would not be surprised because you're right. Like you have, because you want to t- keep that money open, right? You want to be able to create 5 million new dollars for him to be open. And then Jelani's showing he's got it. Kylan Granson's really showing the yards after catch right now and uh, coming in in clutch situations. And then, like you said, Drew Ogletree was going to take Jelani's job if it wasn't for the fact that he tore his ACL, right? Like, I mean, think about that. Drew Ogletree was supposed to be doing what Jelani's doing right now. So that's what's crazy. And you're right. Like, just run with just run with the uh, three pass-catching tight ends. And Jelani's going to get better at run blocking if you work with him. He's, he's big as hell. Nobody needs to worry about him later on. You just need to get that man to learn. And Drew Ogletree's the same way. You could teach these guys to block. Kylan Granson's a decent blocker. He's not as good as Mo, but because he's so much smaller. But still, though, right? And right. while we're on the topic of uh while we're on the topic of tight ends, I mean. Shout out to freaking Kylan Granson, bro. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Kylan freaking Granson. I mean, he has not been putting up insane numbers, but as compared to what he was doing last year, I think, Cody, the best best game he had last year as an Indianapolis Colt, if I'm not mistaken, I think was that, uh, I think was that game that you and I went to against the Jets uh, back in, 20 uh 2021 and which is crazy to say the least but there have been 
at least there's been at least two or three games, Cody, where he has done better at any of these games than what he did last year, right? First game, he had three catches for 22 yards uh, against Tennessee. He had four catches on four targets for 62 yards. And then this last game had four catches for 38 yards, you know, and we've seen him on special teams making plays, right? He wasn't on there before, but he's making special teams plays now. Like Kylan Granson is in his bag right now. He's not making insane plays, but he's making a lot of plays that are extending drives for the Colts, especially late in games. I'm really liking what I'm seeing from Kylan Granson. We talked about him when he was drafted. You and I have talked uh, with him several times and he said, you know, my ability to catch the ball and extend plays is what I think can help bring uh, something to this team. Right now, we're seeing that right now. Mm -hmm. Now, is it a stretch to say uh, that out of all the players from last year, Kylan Granson is the most improved? Like, is it a stretch to say that? Because I don't know if it is. I don't think it is. You throw him or Zaire on Tight end or most improved to what? Player on the roster from last year to this year. I think Kylan's up there in the conversation. I mean, I definitely could uh, could agree that, you know, he, he potentially, yeah, he could potentially could. I mean, in 2021, he had 11 receptions for 106 yards last year, Cody. This year, he already has 16 catches for 159 yards. He's he's six games into the season. He's not. He's only a third of the way through the NFL season, Cody, and he already has five catches for 53 more yards than what he had last year. And he's yeah. only going to continue to get more. Yeah, I'm going to put something in the chat. I want to see what you guys think. Um, put something in the poll. Yeah, I'm going to make a poll here. I feel you. I mean, I just, I love it, man. You know, and especially because, uh, you know, we we talked about, uh, we talked with him before the season started. We and, did. you know, we were extremely mm-hmm. excited to see what happens. And then, obviously, when it came to, uh, when it came to the training camp, you and I hurt for him, man, because he was struggling, right? Like there were times when people were questioning on whether or not he even should be on the roster, which some people were saying, right? And then sure enough, like, you know, here we are now, and Kylan Granson is clear tight end two or one at this point, right? I think a lot of people want Jelani eventually to be the tight end one. But Granson is a very complimentary tight end, dude. I love what he's putting together right now. Me too. Yeah. It's like he doesn't have, like he talked about, doesn't have like the huge 100-yard games or anything like that. But it's just like a couple times per game when you need him to make a catch, like on a critical third down or something, he does it. He's just he efficient. Yeah, his, hands efficient. Have been, his hands have been phenomenal during the season. I don't know what it was. Like during the offseason, dude, his hands were not there. And then sure enough, like during the season, he's not had a drop issue. He's not had a drop issue. Oh, yeah. And I feel like that's been a, a story for um I feel like that's been a story for a lot of the Colts wide receivers, don't you think? Like I haven't noticed a huge drop issue with there that. There has not been. No, no, not at all. And you have two really sure-handed guys in Pierce and, and, and Michael Pittman, right? Yeah. <laughs> Would have been very helpful. And Paris Campbell's always had pretty sure hands, too. Yeah, he's always had pretty sure hands, too. And, yeah, I thought it was always the tight ends that was the problem, especially the last few years. But, I mean, Moe's not had a huge issue with it this year. 
Kylan's not had an issue at all with it. And Jelani's not had an issue with it at all either. So, you know, I mean, I love that, you know, that has been the storyline. You know, the Colts aren't missing out on opportunities uh, in that way, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Everyone saying like Franklin and like, some other I agree. people are most improved. I agree. I think I think Franklin is one because he's been really phenomenal. Um, I think he's like tied for the lead in tackles right now, Derek, in the NFL. So Zaire definitely deserves consideration. I think Zaire definitely him. deserves some. I mean, again, like his pass protect his pass coverage stuff is not great, but I mean to step up in the role of Shaquille Leonard that is really hard to do. And you know he he has yeah. been a, a he has been a uh, really solid player uh, over the last few uh, games, no question about it. Seems like him yeah. and Okereke are in on every tackle. Yes, absolutely. And Quiddy Pay when he was healthy, I thought he took he was taking a nice year two leap as well. Yeah. I mean, when he is had Pay supposed sacks. to be back. Yeah, I, I don't know when Pay is going to be back. Um, he it might be next week. It might be the week after. I don't expect him to miss much more time. We'll see how he looks. Uh, I mean, he didn't practice all week, so it's still up in the air on how he feels. So, Yeah, absolutely. And then, yeah, Gro- Big Grove has been in there for most improved. That's definitely another I one. Because he, I always felt like he was a really, really good at stopping the run. I mean, you're seeing yeah, I know. This year, it just seems sure. like he's up to even more, which is kind oh, of funny sure. to think about. For sure, but, but uh, like from a guy like this is kind of how I look at it is like Grover. We already knew he was a really good player, but like Kylan, we didn't know with him, like, yeah. you know, and he's taken a leap up. Um, so that's kind of my grading scale a little bit. Maybe that, I don't know if that's fair or not, you know, maybe for other guys to give them more of an advantage, but uh, yeah. Tyrone, I mean, I bro, don't even get me started. Don't even get me started on that. <laughs> oh, bro. I know, bro. I know. I uh, hold on. I, I gotta, I gotta find this tweet. I will not leave this until I find this tweet. Hold on a second. I'll find it. All right. Just give me, give me a chance. It's something about the cornerbacks. I will find it. Here it is. Yes, it is. Here it is. Okay. Josh Bowick from uh, Twitter right here says, now this is PFF. Take it or leave it as you wish. I, I don't always agree with their rankings, but it's close enough. Uh, it, it still proves a point. It's a huge point. Isaiah Rogers is currently PFF cornerback number nine, Cody. Number mm-hmm. nine. Gilmore is PFF cornerback number 23. Okay. And on is PFF cornerback number 103. Says, wow. color me genuinely baffled along with everyone else as to why on is still playing snaps over Rogers at this point. Also, another thing, Kenny Moore having to fall off of the century is currently cornerback 156. Jeez. Now, again, take or leave it the rankings. It still proves the point, though, that even if you don't agree that Faison uh, is 103 or that uh, Rodgers is number nine, doesn't matter. There's still that much of a gap. There is a no- big noticeable gap. And so we still don't have any understanding as to why Rogers does not start. Still, don't understand just, it. Just, uh, just baffling 
<laughs> it is You're baffling. Yeah, it, it, and they said they said uh, Rogers or uh, no, um, they said that uh, uh, Face On has to have some dirt on uh, has to have some dirt on uh, Gus Bradley has to. <laughs> There's just no reason. It's just no logical I reason. I mean, it's just no, it's just no logical reason. Like, I don't care if that's your homie. Get, get him out of there, dude. I don't care if he's played in your system. He's not good. Yeah. No, I don't care if he's a typical, a prototypical body type. Like, who cares? He's been terrible. <laughs> he doesn't, he seems unwilling to like go up and make a tackle. Like, my gosh, I, I watched that. Well, no, he does today. like to go up and make tackles, but he also likes to miss. Right. <laughs> I mean, uh. That's that's the problem. It's not it's not it's not the fact that he doesn't want to tackle, he just misses. <laughs> that's the problem here. Ugh. I watched it earlier and I was just like, this is disgusting. Yeah, bro. Like what <laughs> like he was pretty much a main culprit in why you know uh the team got 14 points scored on them. Like he he allowed some big plays yesterday. And Rodgers won't do, he wouldn't do that, you know? Like, so, yeah, it's truly baffling. And we did see a little bit more, like, and hopefully this is just a trend that continues. We saw, you know, Rodgers at the end of that game, you know, get a lot more of the majority of the snaps. Um, hi, Grace. <laughs> all I know is all the play- I hope all the players just have fun. Thank <laughs> That's you. pretty much it. <laughs> That's nice of you. They're doing their best, Grace. I understand, but that... But this isn't elementary. This is you know who that is, right? You know who Grace is, right? Yeah, yeah, I know who Grace is. Okay, good. I just I know I, sure. I figured it out for a long time now. Okay, good. good. Um, and, and this isn't high school either. So you know they, they don't get paid millions. These guys do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. At the end of the day, uh, Cody's still going to get the last word when your team goes into Lucas Oil and loses to the Colts, and Cody's just not going to say anything because he wants to still have a girlfriend at the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Kingins on the 23 draft QBs. Without going too deep into it, mm-hmm. uh, Stroud, Young, Levis, Hooker. Now three and four are subject to change. Uh, I just think that Levis at this moment is a better quarterback prospect for the Colts than what Hooker would be. But again, like I said, there's a lot of the season left. There's still some things that need to be done that need to be fixed. And I'll try to get a better opinion as it goes on. But yeah, Yeah, well, we said this off air. We like, or I texted you this actually. I said, man, this is a good year to be looking for a quarterback because there's legitimately three to four guys. Yeah. And, that and, like. and the thing is too, is like, you know, go and get him this year and have him sit for a year behind Matt Ryan. I don't care like if if they start right away. You don't have to start the quarterback right away. Let him sit for a year, learn the system, and learn behind a genius in Matt Ryan, right? Dissect his freaking brain. I mean, that's that's it's awesome. Why not? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, 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 I don't know. And it, maybe if they don't want to and they want, I mean, the only problem I see is, is that, you know, I, well, and, you know, I don't see the point in, uh, not starting them if you're that at that point. But then again, if you don't believe that the guy is 100% ready to go, then, you know, I mean, there's no harm in, in holding them back a year. You know, I've had this, yeah. I had that conversation so much over the weekend, Cody, about quarterbacks that, uh, 
Okay. Yeah, I got you. Uh, about quarterbacks that, you know, are older. I'm like, I don't care if they're 25 or 26. Like quarterbacks can stay in the league for eight years, 10 years if they stay healthy and if they're good. So at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter. Yeah, exactly. So, but, yep. I know you got to get going, but uh, thank yeah. you again to the over 200 people in here. Thank you to everybody tuning in. This is a really fun live stream to talk about anything and everything about this Indianapolis Colts offense. Good to see them actually playing well for a change this year. Uh, hopefully we continue to see more of that going forward. Uh, it's not going to get easier. You know, you got to get it, uh, you got to get it going. And especially with the chances of a, uh, you know, of possibly still making the playoffs, which the Colts definitely still have a chance at doing with their record. So we'll continue to keep up with that, but thank yep. you guys so much for tuning in. Greatly appreciate the support. And as always guys go Colts. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's U-N-I-F-Y-D healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.